Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. I am so glad you're here because we have a great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is a comedian you know from Emergency Vets on Animal Planet. He's traveled the world doing conservation work and making it safe for all of us. And he toured with the Rolling Stones, The Who, Parliament Funkadelic, Willie Nelson, and the Wu-Tang Clan. And his name is Kevin Fitzgerald. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our super fan shout-out is for Tom Justice. Say hi to Tom, everybody. Hello, Tom. Hey, Tommy. Tommy. And Tommy sent us a nice email because Tommy... He's a friend of ours. And he was telling us how much he enjoyed <laughs> the Kevin Chapman episode uh, last week. Uh, he knew him from person of interest. He didn't know him from the movies. Uh, and he was very excited to hear all the things he's done. So that was very nice of Tom to reach out for us. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Farrar at Gmail. And I would like to begin today's proceedings with a quote from General Patton. Rommel, you magnificent bastard, I read your book! I read your book, <laughs> Rommel! <laughs> he likes doing that. Okay, that's not the quote, it's just fun to say. The quote is, all victory is fleeting. And it pertains to something I did. I, I had to get up really early, uh, and I had to go run some errands. And uh, I had I had my, my old Lexus. I had to drive to the PCH, uh, which is the highway I took you on, Mark. Pacific Coast mm -hmm. Highway, which is really nice. Right. It's right by the beach. It's beautiful. and Gorgeous. And California, you know, gas is $4. The property taxes are killing me, but at least there's a drought. So I'm on my way to the PCH, and there's wide streets here. So I don't know why the street was wet, but it was. It was early in the morning. My tires were cold. There was no one on the street, and it was pretty wide. So I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if this old girl has enough horsepower to get the back end out. That's what you thought of. Yeah. So I, oh, man. I came into the turn, I hit the apex, I punched the gas, and sure enough, wheels start spinning, opposite lock on the steering. I'm like, look at that. I slid the corner, came back perfect. I hit it perfect. And it was like, oh, today's going to be a good day. And? It didn't go as well the second time. <laughs> second time? <laughs> How did I know there was a but? Yeah. You rob the bank. You don't go back into bank for more cash. Come on. You got away with it. This is what I'm saying. All victory is fleeting. <laughs> wait, wait. I want to go to the actual what happened, Adam. Okay. So I <laughs> that felt so good. I said, there's nobody here. I'm going around the block again. That was great. Uh-huh. So I went around the block today. I came in, loaded up the suspension, hit the apex, punched the gas, over-rotated, which means the back of the car came out a little bit. Does that mean you went over someone's lawn? No, not exactly. 
Oh my goodness! Yes. You better, you better wish they don't have their eye cameras on. No, no, no. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure someone's got a cameras. ring camera yeah. of seeing Alexis go backwards. <laughs> we we need to tape up the license plate when you go out. Just that's it. You know what? I, I'd like to say that's you're ready. wrong, but that's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. So I the back end came out. I went all the way around, and the, the, there was a a bush. It. it Kind of scratched the top of the bumper. You mean the bush scratch, scratched the car? Yeah. On the top of the bumper. <laughs> it took the, to, the top of the bumper is plastic, so it took a little bit, you know, out of it. But as as I came around, I, I, I it was a perfect 180, so I just hit the gas and went the other way. And in my head, I'm thinking, meant to do that. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Can I ask a yep. question? Yes. Something I would do. Go ahead. Did you go back the next day to see the damage? That you may have caused. I didn't have to go back. The damage came with me. It was on. It was on the bumper. Well, I was thinking of the bush. The bush was fine. The bush didn't even care. <laughs> the bush was like he is like the buzzing of flies to Vigo. He didn't even. <laughs> <laughs> he went like this. <laughs> yeah, but it, the, the damage was minimal. Like how you say it was okay because the damage was minimal. It was. I, you can barely see it. Look, I'm going to show you. <sighs> Adam, <laughs> it's duct. Would well, you put duct tape on it? That's <laughs> how you fixed it. It's not. Yeah. Duct, it's electrical tape. It's black. It's the same color. You can barely yeah. see it. You know what kind of tape it is, Adam? What? Tacky. Tacky. That's what it is. All right. Tacky. <laughs> Goodness. Well, I just like the fact that Alex, like, originally said, you know, Adam, you know, she didn't say, Adam, please don't do this. I love you. I don't want you to get hurt. Yeah. Tape up the license plate. That's what she said. <laughs> I know he's going to do it anyway. Not be safe. Let I got to know the room. Let me help you disguise your car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so I actually I spun around. I did a one eighty. I went the opposite way on the street, and uh, and then I just got on a PCH, and I was like, I right, I meant to do that. Just one question. Yes, we don't have to move, right? Yeah. Okay. Not yet. <laughs> All right. Well, they. I don't. I think we're far. I think I told you guys when I when I was Top Gear when they dropped the press cars off here. I had everything. I had GTRs. I had Corvettes. I had CTSVs. I had I had a couple of Aston Martins. Remember when someone stopped you and said. Oh, can I see your garage? I heard it goes underground. Like you yeah. have a lift that goes underground and there's yeah. a whole big parking we, structure we, under we, your house. We were at the uh, the upfronts, the A&E upfronts, and uh, someone came over and goes, you live in Santa Monica? Yeah. He goes, I heard your, your garage has a lift. And I went, no, it's a pit. <laughs> you drive over it. There's no hydraulic. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No, but when I was getting all those press cars, I would, you know, I'd slide the corners all the time and I'm leaving rubber all over the, the neighborhood. So I found that we got security dudes that run around Ford, Ford Escapes. So I'd stop them once and I go, you know, paying all this money, these kids, they leave tire marks all over the place. What what exactly are you guys doing? And they're like, we're, we're, we're on it, Mr. Ferrara. We're closing in on them. This yeah. will not be a problem soon. I'm like, all right, just make sure you do it. All right. And I drive away giggling. It's me. <laughs> I just Why like I, the fact that you did it in your car and not mine. You always do shit like uh, that in my oh, car. You, oh, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, no car is safe. Well, it's... it's, it's it no. My I, mom's car, he does it. Your mom loved it. <laughs> Whatever. She loved it. Put Whatever. Put it, she got is that what you think? She got blood rushing <laughs> to her face. She loved it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Adam. Got that Hyundai's ass out and put a little smile on my mother-in-law's face. Yeah, Mark. <laughs> And again, this was a Lexus. This wasn't the General Lee, right? No, this was this was my old Lexus. In my head, in my head, it was a '68 390 fastback, and I was Steve McQueen. In your head, <laughs> that's great. The first time, the that's second time, great. it was me and Alexis when I over rotated and had a <laughs> meant to do that. Yeah, yeah. You were the, the second time. You're Fred you Flintstone. <laughs> so, so victory is fleeting, right? Victory right? is fleeting. That's the point of this whole story. Well, I okay. I don't do those kind of things in my little car because if I did, I would wind up in the side of a telephone pole. Mm. I think we all understand that. But I can sort of relate <laughs> to the idea that victory is fleeting, right? Yeah. I I put on not a ton of weight, but enough weight that it was alarming to me during COVID because I made the decision that well, we're all going to die, so I'm going to eat cake every night. <laughs> and when I realized that we weren't going to all die, I was like, I need to get this weight off. So I worked really hard. I started going to the gym again. I started running and I dropped that weight. And what did I do? What? Celebrated by eating an entire large pizza by myself. And now <laughs> the weight's back on and I'm right where I started. Victory is fleeting, my friend. Victory's fleeting and Stern's ass is bigger than it was before. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, Mark, but is it victory fleeting or is it Mark has no willpower? 
I mean, come on. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I think. I look, have... I, I think if George Patton was here, he he, Mark would be the one he slaps. <laughs> <laughs> you can get, get out that of pizza in this army, son. Get out there. Get that pizza <laughs> out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, yes. dude, you, I, let me tell you something. You are not alone. I do the same exact thing. I'm up. I'm down. I'm up. I'm down. I do the. You know, I, right before I left for this cruise ship, I weighed 168. I'm 190 now. Phil, look, it, 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 it happens to everybody. Here's the only thing about Phil. When he busts out and wants to eat, he'll blame me. We walked. <laughs> you did. We walked into Barney's Beanery. We sat down and said, come on, we'll go out and buy a lunch. We're sitting at Barney's and he sits down and he, he looks me in the face and goes, I'm getting whatever the hell I want. And I went, you, you said that? Yeah. <laughs> I go, what? Because he bust I, my balls. When was I stopping you? He, he, was just, he was yelling. Like the people in the next booth turned around and go, I guess his husband's upset he's putting on weight. <laughs> because you do that. You're going to have eggplant? Really? There's lectin. Shut up. Let me eat. Okay. You do that, Adam? Well, he does because he complains to me. Yeah. He goes, I don't know what it is. I'm itchy. I go, do you have, there's nightshades in it. What the hell's that? It makes you itch. Now, nah, what do you know? And then he calls me up. Why am I itching? <laughs> Um, I want to say something about the fleeting victories. Please do. Because I, I don't agree with Patton. I'm not telling him that. Go ahead. I mean, yeah. okay, I understand in the times of war and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But in real life, mm-hmm. I think victories are a chance for you to reflect and kind of get direction and move mm-hmm. forward. So you don't ever lose it. It gets added to you and you move forward. Okay, fine. Well, look, the reason I brought it up is uh, because the conversation I had with Kevin Fitzgerald about uh, conservation, which uh, is a big part of his life, he said, our victories are temporary, but our failures are permanent. I think he's kind of right. So you guys listen to this, and we will see you on the other side. The conqueror rode in a triumphal chariot. A slave stood behind the conqueror, holding a golden crown and whispering in his ear a warning that all glory is fleeting. And? It didn't go as well the second time. (laughs) Second time? (laughs) You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. That's 30 minutes you'll never get back! I know! Would you shut up? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I got some stand updates for you. August 17th, I will be at the Cutting Room in New York City. Now, if you click the link and you go to the website and you don't see my face, do not be alarmed. They just added me to the show, but I will be there. The Cutting Room, August 17th. August 20th and 21st, I will be at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. August 28th, I'm doing a rooftop gig at the Solomar Hotel in San Diego. And September 24th and 25th, I am going back to Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank. There's a link to tickets in the show notes. You can go to my website and click the link there. And as always, if you can make any of those gigs, please come up after the show and let me thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. All right, go on, get out of here. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Now 
boss boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is an old pal that I am so looking forward to catching up with. He's a comedian I met in Denver, and you know him from his long-running TV show, Emergency Vets on Animal Planet. He's done security for The Who, The Rolling Stones, Parliament Funkadelic, The Wu-Tang Clan, and many, many others. He's on the board of the Smithsonian. He's on the board of the Denver Zoo. He put transmitters into rattlesnakes. He's been to both the North and South Pole, and Keith Richards is the man who told him to get his shit together. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's my pal, Kevin Fitzgerald. How are you, baby? Adam has been too long. I know, I know. Wow, when I was first coming through Denver, uh, you were uh, you were on stage, and I was, and then I then I found out um, about everything else you do. Man, I'm a comic and an actor. You've been around the world saving animals and and making rock and roll safe for people. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Your own life's not so interesting to you. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you, I just remember when I was starting off, I met you and. You came through and you were a big star already and already doing some parts mm-hmm. in the movies. And, and uh, uh, you gave me the best advice. You said, try a new joke every time you go out there. Yeah. So I've always done that. Yeah, it just it keep, keeps the machine moving. And so, okay, I got I to start at the very beginning, man, because uh, I, I want to know the whole story. You started doing security for bands. I know I remember you telling me you and your brother were, were boxing. And I think that that was your entree into getting into doing security for the bands. Did I remember, I remember that oh, correctly? Yeah, we, worked, we worked the door at places, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, our, in Denver, the promoter was Barry Fay. Mm-hmm. And, and he uh, did the Denver Music, uh, the Denver, uh, Denver Pop Fest in 69, at two, two or three months before Woodstock. Mm-hmm. We didn't know in those days what uh, were happening. You get 75,000 kids. How many toilets do you need? How many yeah. hot dogs are you going to sell? We, we didn't know. It wasn't corporate yet. You know, uh-huh. seat of the pants. So, so in the very beginning, it was, it was great. Uh, worked the door. Barry uh, went to the Rolling Stones in 69 said, you know, up until this time with tours, there'd be a different accounting every night. He said, mm-hmm. I'm going to do the whole tour. You just have to do with me. I'll sell every ticket. You know, and that was the beginning of the modern tour and, and, and did security then. And once you had worked, you know, a, a big band, then you kind of had major bones. And you could work with other bands. I worked with The Who for three different farewell tours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they're still going. There's only two of them left, and they're still going out. Another farewell tour. But, but God love them. And, and so uh, for, for me, to be a little boy from Denver and go off on tour and see the world, it was like running away with the circus out of, you know? It was like, it, it, was, it, was, a different, it was a different day. You know, we didn't have... Uh, AIDS and we didn't, you know, nobody was politically correct. And mm-hmm. for Willie Nelson and Willie knew every joke. Willie goes, hey, Kevin, how come Hitler doesn't drink tequila? I go, I don't know. He goes, it made him mean. <laughs> That's a Willie joke. No. So let me ask you this. So, so you're sitting there, right? And they said, you're going to do security and you guys are making this up as you go along. So was it security for like, like bodyguarding Keith Richards or was it just... Well, there's two kinds of security. There's people that do a venue, mm-hmm. and you know, hire the people for that venue. And then there's personal security. And so for our thing, you know, uh, I would go a day ahead of the band and check the hotel. How are we going to get from the airport to the hotel, from the hotel to the venue? How are we going to keep people away outside? Mm-hmm. You know, to keep the crowds away and, and the, the, you know, the fans starting to build up outside. With John Lennon, that guy stood in front of the Dakota for two weeks. You know, that wouldn't happen with us. We'd go out. We'd take a picture of the crowd every morning. And mm. if we'd see a guy that, we, we, hey, we saw the guy in Cincinnati yesterday. Now we're in Cleveland. We'd go out and figure out who, who he was, you know, and, 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 and talk to the police. And, and you need good police relations and, and go in. And, and they try and have every off-duty cop in the world doing the show. And you know you can only have so many. Right. But you, you, try, you try and have good relations. And our, our job wasn't about being a tough guy. It was about not being a tough guy. And, yeah. And it wasn't about bloody mouths. It was no bloody mouths and no lawsuits. So uh, you were proud if you get people in and have a nice time. And, and it, I, lo- I was young and loved the music. I couldn't sing or play a guitar, but you were close to the music. And you know, I'd rather sing than eat. Most people would rather hear me eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, that's the gig. The rules of engagement are don't engage, you know, and you have, you have all these people. And, and so you, you can you're talk pay- to him. If you could talk to him, 
99 out of 100 times. Listen, what are you doing? Mm. You're throwing firecrackers? What are, what are you doing? Right. You know, you wanna, do you want to see the rest of the show or do you want breakfast on the counter? You know, if, yeah. if I could take you, of course you could take me. But I'll go get four or five other guys and, and a cop and you're going to go to jail. You know what I mean? What are you doing? So if yeah. you could talk to him, usually it was okay. In the beginning, we realized, <clears throat> Barry Faye and Bill Graham realized, you, you needed peer security. You needed big, gentle guys that, that could deal with it. Because you couldn't send uniformed police into the crowd, no matter what the kid had done. If, if the cops go in the crowd, the people are on the kid's side, even yeah. if he's you know, do, done something horrible. So, so that's how, how security started. And, and then, then by, the, by the time I finished, I did tours you know, from 68 or 69 until 85, until the end of vet school. And then some, some stuff later, when people bring me back, but uh, it, it, it had become so corporate and, and such, you know, uh, it, you know, just like a formula. And, yeah. and, and, but we made it up and it was, it was more fun in the beginning when you didn't really know what would happen. With Willie, you could take girls on the bus with it, you know? Oh, you're kind of nice, Margaret. Would you, would you like to see Amarillo? <laughs> <laughs> well, when you had to engage, you know, Kev, when you, when you actually had to, you know, remove somebody, there was always that, um, that, that, that diversionary question to get him to flinch a little bit so you had an opening. Yeah, you make him, you ask him a nonsense question. My brother made that up. Mm-hmm. You go, hey, where'd you park? And the guy thinks, and then, wait, you, know, you, you blast him. Yeah. <laughs> where'd you park? <laughs> what? <laughs> you would say, he'd say uh, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to hit you in the head and then hit him on one. Right. He said the same thing. They said, you didn't count to three. You know? <laughs> But he said it was going to be easy. Adam. <laughs> well, tell me about, I, I got to ask a story about when Keith Richards said, what are you doing with your life? Well, you have to understand that these are people. Mm-hmm. You know, and and these, are, these are good people and smart people. Sure. I mean, the, the Stones, nothing's happened by, by, by chance. You know what I mean? No, Mick's a businessman. I've done a lot of reading. Mick is a, a businessman. No, plan. And, and, you know, and nothing happens by chance. And and good people like we had to put the wheelchair people in those days up and out of the way. They couldn't be on the floor of the, of the stadium mm-hmm. because when the legs go off, the kids come down off the sides and, and and they swamp the field and they knock the kids out of the chairs. And we were behind the barricade and couldn't help them. Mm-hmm. So they had to put them up and away. And it stigmatizes him. Here's a little kid he wants to go to the show. Now he has to sit with all these other wheelchair people. So it's not, it's not good. So every show, every show for all the years I worked, Jagger would say, where are they? And I'd say, 323. Mm. How many chairs? Uh, 25 chairs. So I'm dating myself, but I'd get 25 t-shirts, 25 cassette tapes, and I'd go and would put a towel over his head and take him through the guts of the place, a hoodie, and then he'd jump out and throw it off and he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't stay and talk to him, but he'd put a cassette tape and a T-shirt on everybody's lap. Thanks for coming, baby. We couldn't do it without you. Thanks for coming. You know, and every time, we, he didn't do it as a photo op and tell uh-huh. the press he was going to do it. He just did it because he's a good guy. And we'd be walking back and go, how come, Kevin? How, how come? How come you got this big body and you thump heads for us? And, and you get to go, and I have this voice a little bit. Of, and, and we get to, how come we aren't in, in chairs? You ever think how lucky we are? He said, we can never forget how lucky we are. And, and that's a guy that, you know, I mean, imagine he could forget it very easily. And, and he never did. And Keith, the same. You know, uh, Keith, you know, I, I, I said, you know, I, I got a chance to go to, to, to you know, maybe do something else. Or, and, and Keith's like, you've been with us since 69, 72, 75, 78, 81. This is the 81 tour. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, he goes what, what, this is 78, 78. He said, he said, uh, what are you going to do? You can't be a bouncer when you're 50. You can't come with us when you're 50. And he goes, and we'll be like the flavor of the month. I don't think they ever imagined they'd still be playing, you know? Right. And, and so he, he said, no, nah, you know, you go to school. I'll help you. I'll write your letter. I'll do it. So he wrote my letter, you know, a recommendation. It's probably on a wall somewhere. But I went to school and I think he's proud of me. I've gone back and seen him when they come through Denver and, and spend time and, and ask me questions about his dog. And, you know, and, and, you know, and, and he goes, I saw you on Animal Planet and told my daughters, I know him. I helped him. They go, you don't know him, Dad. <laughs> That's great. Keith Richards' kids are calling him out. <laughs> but 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 um, he, he's the hippest cat in the world. When he says something, you listen. And, and mm-hmm. so 
after after he told me that it was the end of the tour, I flew back to Denver. My brother picked me up the airport, and I said, "Keith told me I got to get a grip on my life." <laughs> you got to listen to that. You got to listen to that. And so, that and and you got into uh, uh, to veterinary school. Yeah, yeah. Now, how so, did you get from veterinary school to uh, the uh, the show on Animal Planet, Emergency Vet? Well, we knew. We knew that Animal Planet was going to spin out of Discovery. Mm-hmm. All animals all the time, 24 hours. In Denver Comics, we thought, oh, man, we got to do something. We have a comedy show, animal comedy show. Perfect. It's mm-hmm. going to be beautiful. So I was open on the road with Betty White, who's the nicest woman ever. God bless her. Let know? me ask you something. How is security for Betty White? That's got to be rough. Well, no, I was doing stand-up. Oh. Opening for okay. She was, she was doing these fundraisers for the Morris Animal Foundation. Mm-hmm. She was a trustee on the board of directors. So they do this animal research stuff for kidney failure and cancer. And, and she's so kind and, and she loves animals. And, and, but she's funny. She's mm-hmm. really funny. You know, I told her, I said, Miss White, I'm on the airplane. I said, uh, I'm going to be so clean. You don't have to worry. And she goes, what are you talking about? She goes, Golden Girls with four bras sitting around doing dick jokes. <laughs> you have to be clean. <laughs> and, and, but she'd seen it all. You know, she'd been mm-hmm. in children's whole life and so sweet. So I had this idea. Pets of the Rich and Famous, and have little Betty White interview famous people about their pets. And it seemed like a great idea. And uh, Animal Planet hadn't come out yet, so we went to Discovery and, and pitched it. It got really far. It got really far. And then the woman who was in charge of new shows, the woman that was in charge of new shows, uh, got fired. Bad and boy. A new woman came on, and she said, you know, we're not about comedy, but what about, uh, 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 you know, ER was really big in time. She said, what about an animal ER? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I went back and pitched it to my boss, and and that was it. That's you know, great. And you did eleven seasons of that. Yeah, we did. We did eleven seasons, uh, ninety-seven till two thousand eight. And I never could watch the show. You know, you can't. You watch yourself on TV and go, "That's not my neck. That's my dad's <laughs> neck." You know? I like that. <laughs> you, you're doing a C-section on an elephant, and you're worried about how your neck looks. Well, of course you do. I mean, you know, we're all we're all vain, you know. Sure. You guys still got it. You know, I'm I'm 69, I, I but I can read at a seven year old level. That's what keeps you young, year, baby. You read one year older. You know, the only time I don't have to pee is when I'm peeing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but what a life, man! Tell me, tell me. Now you were at Altamont. Well, Alt- Altamont wasn't the Stones' fault. No, no and, and let me. I just want to check something with you, Kevin, because I I read a book on it. Um, so. They spo- it was supposed to be in Golden Gate Park. It was supposed to be the Stones, the Grateful Dead, um, the Flying Burrito Brothers, uh, Jefferson, Jefferson Airplane. Airplane. Yeah, they couldn't get they couldn't get because the Stones weren't at Woodstock. And Mick was like, "I want a Woodstock. I'll be kind to the wheelchair people because that's just who I am. But I want a Woodstock for us." Well, so so what happened was the Grateful Dead had always used uh, the, the had used the Hell's Angels and and you know for their concerts for security. And yeah, it, it just got it just got out of hand. What happened was. The Stones didn't get there until four in the afternoon. And by then, you know, they'd taken their motorcycles. There was no barricade and, and, and made the barricade with, with their bikes. And the kids, you know, 250,000 kids, they were getting pushed into the bikes and getting hit with, with pool cues. And, and you know, it, it just it just quickly deteriorated. And, and the, the, it shows, you know, the, the power of, of a, 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 a crowd can turn like that. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and our job was, you know, to, to keep it, to keep it cool, you know, and 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 it, it was something like that is it, it was nobody won that day. I'll tell you. That yeah. Was, was well, it was also set. It was also thrown together. It was at the Altamont Speedway. There was really no stage. It was only like a little riser they were standing on. And it was, was it Marty Ballin who got punched by one of the uh, Marty Ballin Jefferson Airplane? Didn't he, didn't he get punched by well, one of the uh, oh, Angels? I, that was my favorite American band. You know, I, I worked for them. Grace Lick. I mean, we were so afraid of her. She had an aura. She had an aura. And she had this jacket, this silk jacket. And on the back, it said, fuck you. We do what we want. And we want it. What an attitude, you know? And and it's just, but, but she was so nice, you know? And I just remember I took her to a, I took her to an interview for with a radio station before a concert. And they were plugging the concert. But, you you know, doing radio. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and so, so. The, the DJ said, "What's your favorite song?" And she's the acid queen, and she she uh, she says, uh, uh, "Oh, you know, 
she goes, I, I love that song, Leaving on a Jet Plane. Mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, Peter Paul Mary. John Denver wrote it, you know. Yeah. And, and she goes, I know that that little dorky guy wrote it, but she, she said, she said, uh, it, it, every time I hear that song, she goes, it, it's so pretty, you know, it, it, the idea of it, everybody knows somebody leaving. And I just thought, you know, here's the acid queen in that. But at the at the the, the great thing about the the, the air, airplane concerts was, I could stand behind the stage and look out at the crowd, and I could tell what drug the person was on <laughs> by where they were standing, because the acid people would be in the middle talking to the sun <laughs> you know, right. and doing this, and then the speed freaks would be on the outside, like the Indianapolis 500, running around like. Rrr, 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 <laughs> And motoring around the whole outside on the track. So you could just look and see what the drug of choice was. Wow. But the, the, I think the hardest tour I ever did was, I, uh, oh, I, I finished a stone tour. And that, there was like a month or two before I had to go back to school. And, and, and uh, I, I got a Billy Graham, the evangelist. You know, Billy Graham? Yeah. And I said, well, he doesn't need security. They took me and Chuck Grant. And the people could get the spirit on him and charge a stage and we were so used so the first time it happened the guy runs at us and chuck clotheslines him you know <laughs> and, and so I said, no 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 baby they want him up there he goes look at this guy's eyes he's on something i said no he's on the real thing you know jesus in his shoe shine you know, he, 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 clean windshield. you know he's he's you know and he goes, look at this guy's eyes <laughs> but that, that was really scary oh that's funny because those people would just they just start talking in tongues and jump up and run at you and, and hug you or, or, I mean, who knew what you, what they were going to do, you know? And, and, and so it was, it was, a, you know, you try, I grew up like, I, you know, I, I'm Irish Catholic, you know? Yeah. So, but this was very foreign to me, people talking in tongues yeah. and, 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 and healing people. And, and so, you know, it was, <laughs> let me ask you this when there's a presence, you know, I've been around, I've been fortunate enough to be around people that have notoriety and people that just vibrate at a high, at a, at a, at a really high level. And there's a presence to um, people and you can sense it when they come into a room out of all the people you work with, who would you say had that presence in abundance? The most, the most one to have that presence. Elvis. Elvis. Yeah. For sure. Really? I mean, you know, we'd worked for the Stones for so long and worked for different people. Chuck Grant, my brother, <laughs> you know, and we were working for, and he goes, that's Elvis, you know? Yeah. He's the guy out of aura. Kevin, I was going to say Elvis because the Beatles looked up to him. And I'm like, all right, if you can get the Beatles to look up to you, <laughs> you know? Imagine when he started, you know, I mean, he, he borrowed heavily from uh, black entertainers that couldn't be on the radio. Mm-hmm. They couldn't sell sell their records, and there hadn't been crossover yet. Yeah, of, you know that, the one thing I always admired the Stones. They always picked, you know, a, a, a sound act, BB King, and the, the Meters, and and Prince, mm -hmm. and and uh, Living Color, and Peter Tosh. You know, all, you know, it's always somebody up and coming, and, and usually a, a an act of color. You know, mm -hmm. you know. So, but these are crazy days with 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 uh how things are in this country you know yeah i mean it's it's it's, it's too bad you know well it, you know what it is it's, it, at, at that point and i always gravitate towards that point of music because uh i was in the middle when i in my formative years the muse switched from music to comedy you know rolling stone was putting uh letterman and eddie murphy on the cover of uh of the magazine so the cool thing for me when i was a kid was to you would you would try and stay up late and watch Saturday Night Live and then do the skits with your friends in the art class on Monday morning, so the muse kind of shifted and I but I've always graduate I've always gravitated toward the album rock you know when it started with with uh, Dylan's album and I think it ended pretty much with Thriller that period of time you know when well there were real albums you know we yeah. used to wait in line to get them we knew when they would come out they'd, they'd tell you you know like when the new Rolling Stones the new who was going to come out? Yeah, the new Cream record was coming, and we'd, the liner notes were what you wanted. Yeah, you wanted pictures, and you tried to get your hair to look like you know <laughs> somebody's hair, you know, and, or you, oh look at that jacket he's got. See how he wears his collar, and and you know then we would like you know try and soak our uh, sit in the bathtub with our uh, Levi's, and you know and, and so they'd shrink on you, mm -hmm. and you come downstairs and your mother go, you're not going out like that. Look at you can see your funny business. <laughs> 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 I Kevin, I started learning to play the guitar. I had a Les Paul knockoff, and I kept windmilling my arm like Pete Townsend. 
to me, they, they were my favorite band. Yeah. Because, you know, they never had a number one song. Mm-hmm. They never had a number one song. But but something about it, you know, it, it really, uh, a three-piece with that much power, they were the most powerful band I've ever seen. Live. Yeah. And you know, Whistle, and Whistle was like, like a Bach organ. He was playing between the notes and like, like a train. Yeah. It sounded like a train when he played great on stage, you know? Yeah. I still can't hear him in his front because that's, it was my cue to bring the limos up. <laughs> when I started that, they wanted to get the hell yeah. out. Yeah. And see the kids know, the kids know because they follow the tour and they know what this order of the songs. So with the stones, I realized that goddamn, when, once they hear, you know, this medley of these oldies, like Jumpin' Jack Flash, and going to finish with Satisfaction or whatever, that we that there's going to be 3,000 kids out standing around the limos. Mm-hmm. So, so what we do is, I made this up, and it's genius, and probably bands still do it. Uh, we would take the stagehands and put towels over their heads, you know, and, and stuff, and run them into the limos, and then there's a Coke truck with panels you know, we can see, oh, they're not in the electrical truck. The Stones wouldn't be in that Coca-Cola truck. And you put them all, and then you drive right through the kids. You know, they don't even know. <laughs> back, back home. That's know? great. So you try to make them safe. You know, it, it, but um, yeah, I, I think some of the tours were, were I mean, working for Willie Nelson was, was so much fun. I mean, because you're just in buses and, and you, you see the United States and you, you see different places and there's been a homogenization we were just talking about today you know the different parts of the country used to be very different there would be different stores and chains right piggy wiggly in the south or something he did had something in denver but now any place you go it's like you know a pottery barn and yeah there's a magianos in the mall yeah 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 (laughs) you know and and so they're all the same even you still get really uh working for dr john and going to new orleans and and you know you're eating up Oh, you're gonna love this. This is a shrimp ducky. <laughs> ducky what is that? Oh, it's, it's a it's a it's a croissant with rice over it, over a French onion soup, and then strips of duck, and then uh, a red wine sauce on top of that, and then big shrimps. It's, it's about ten thousand calories. Yeah, I gained <laughs> six pounds from the description. But I mean, but there was stuff. You know, now you can get Cajun food in Denver. You know? Yeah. I mean, how Cajun are you? How cool was Doctor John? Oh man, that that guy. He, I mean, he just. I I I was in awe of him, you know, mm. and and in 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 so nice, you know, and and he just like, I'm gonna take you down to the cremation station and murderize you. <laughs> <laughs> cremation station. <laughs> I met him. I met him on the streets of New York City. He had a walking cane, and he's coming at me, and I'm I I see him, and Kevin. I don't know what to say, so I just went. Hi, Max, because I know his name was Max yeah, Revenant. Yeah. I said, hi, Max. He went, well, how are you this morning? <laughs> I said, just a big fan. Want to shake your hand. He goes, well, I'm not here to disappoint you, son. And he shook my <laughs> hand and just walked away. Now, tell me about all, all the uh, all the conservation work you do. I mean, you've been to the, the North Pole. Who's got the polar bears in the North Pole and penguins at the South Pole? Yeah, polar, polar bears in North. Well, I've been really lucky. Um, I'm on the board. Of, I was on the board of directors at the Denver Zoo, and now I'm on the leadership council there. And and uh, they had a very strong conservation department mm-hmm. with wonderful uh, mentors, you know, Dr. Rich Reading and Dr. Dave Kenny. Anyway, these guys were amazing guys. You know, the, the problem is with conservation is our successes are temporary and our failures are permanent yeah. when an animal disappears. And and we, you know we were given we weren't uh, given this wonderful biodiversity, you know, we borrowed it from our children, you know, and there's, there's 10 million other animals on the planet, 10 million other forms of life and all the other forms of life. We were given this wonderful world and our intellect and all the other animals are waiting for us to use our intellect and save the place. Yeah. I, I, think, I think there's still hope. I think there's still hope. And, and uh, you know, I, when I work with kids, kids get it, you know, more than we did. And, and uh, I hope I'm, my generation kind of started off strong and sold out, but, but, um, you know, we have to win this one. And so uh, conservation uh, for me is, is, is uh, very important because uh, I, I think uh, all these different animals are, are miracles in themselves and the product of, you know, thousands, millions of years of evolution. And, and you know, they're, they're disappearing at such a, a fast rate because of us, you know. And, and, and you know, I think there's, there's just, there's, uh, there's too many of us, you know, and, and I think we need to be smarter 
And we need to set aside uh, big areas right now, you know, mm -hmm. before they're ruined. And, and so uh, the Denver Zoo helped the Mongolians get this big area, 187,000, 187, acres, and put it aside as one of the, their first national park. And, and so, you know, places like that, and, and the people that took to it, like, you know, the animals that are in there, endangered species, and, you know, we, I mean, so many creatures are in trouble. Yeah. You know, I, I you know what makes me, you know what worries, what, I, what I'm concerned about with the balance of everything? The bees. I always considered the bees to be like truckers. You know, because they would move supplies from one, you know, they would pollinate and they would move, move uh, supplies around. So, so the system can work. of the fruits and vegetables you eat, 130 are pollinated by bees. I keep bees. Oh, you honest. do? Yeah. And so, and I've been doing it for about 10 years. And, and so. Well, give I, me I some, like, Kevin, because I'm worried. I don't have any. I like honey. Honey, you know, honey is a perfect food. It's, you know, uh, uh manufactured by nature and harvested by insects you know it's, it's gorgeous you know and and so honey is great so i mean yeah they 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 work they work so hard you know at, at, what, at what they do and, and they've had 25 million years they found bees in amber right uh and and so that uh it basically it's the same as the bee today mm -hmm. so they've had a long time to get it right and so what i love about my hives is there's no slackers. Everybody's working. Yeah. So if you're going to get fed, if you're going to get fed, you're going to have to work, you know? And and so and if you don't work, you get pushed out of the hive. So the drones are the little males, and all they do is, is, is you know, inseminate the female. And once they've done done their business, then they get thrown out. Mm. And so, uh, so the, the, their sisters, everybody's got their job. You know, there's the little nurses that help the, my queens, they lay a uh, 100 eggs an hour. Mm -hmm. and, and so, and they'll do that for two years and then burn out. Then you got to get a new queen and you can't just add them. You can't just put the queen, a new queen in there because they'll kill her. So you have to put her in, in a little honeycomb right? and she eats her way out and the nurses eat their way in and it takes two days. And then they all smell alike and they go, Oh, you're okay. You're one of us. You're our new queen. So, so it, it's a, uh, it's amazing. Uh, uh, they're, they're spectacular, spectacular animals in, in probably, you know, um, you know, if there was a uh, thing for animal of the year, you know, they would win every year, hands down, for what they do. Yeah. You know, with with the, the stuff we eat. So, because when pollinated things, we would survive. It's not like uh, Einstein. They said that Einstein said that if we killed all the bees, we would die within three years. No, but we would have fish and we would have wind pollinated things. But the wind pollinated plants would be in trouble, too, because uh, the, the, the not just the bees, but the, the other... Uh, earthworms and stuff are pollinators and they, they you know they turn the soil and renew the soil mm -hmm. so the soil would after a while everything would be dying it's not pollinated by the bees and then the fungus would take over and, and be not healthy and the, the, the soil would be, would be fouled and and so it, it's there but they're yeah they're they're the animal of the year for me every year yeah einstein also said the uh the, the the two things that are infinite are the universe and human stupidity, and I'm not too sure about the universe. <laughs> Can I ask you to tell the hamster story? Well, the most evil animal. <laughs> hamster. The most the most, the most miserable animal. You know, they all bite you. I mean, they're really miserable. They don't like themselves. They have tiny feet, mm -hmm. tiny ears, tiny eyes, enormous teeth, and enormous balls. Their balls are huge, and they want you to look at them. Like, ah, look at my balls. <laughs> so so they're, they're bad. Okay. All I'm, all I'm trying to tell you is it's disturbing if your balls are bigger than your eyes. It's disturbing to people. <laughs> okay. okay. You know that. So this this lady loses this this hamster, and he's gone for two days in her house. And so she finds him under the refrigerator, but he's getting stuck to the side of the refrigerator, on the floor. So she brings him in, and then she puts him in the cage, and he's getting stuck to the cage. Because he gets stuck. So I think he's got these cheek pouches and got an absence in cheek pouch. So I pull him off. And then he's like a fur Nazi again. You know, like, ah, look at my balls. Look at my balls. So I had to give him some gas and make him three martinis. You know, right. Give him a little mask, give him some gas, make him three martinis. So I can look at his cheek pouch. So I give him the gas. He goes to sleep. I open up the cheek pouch and out popped a refrigerator magnet. <laughs> he's, getting he's getting stuck to the side of the cage. You know, 
And in, in, in so, I mean, you can't even make up stuff like that. The stuff that happens with, with you know, veterinary medicine, you know, people come in and say, you know, where do you give a great thing with diarrhea? I said, plenty of room. <laughs> I mean, what are you supposed to give? I mean, you know, the, the stuff they ask you, you know. Oh, oh, that's so much fun. I can't thank you enough, my friend. I really appreciate you sharing some stories and taking some time to be with me today. Best to you and the family, and let's laugh again soon, all right? I'll talk to you soon. The ADD interview is brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. CruiseIntoWellness.com for all your CBD needs. Now, let's say you're doing security for Billy Graham and you're not familiar with the crowd or the phrases that they use. Look at this guy's eyes. He's on some. I said, no, he's on the real thing. You know, Jesus in his shoe shine. I don't know what it means either, but this could cause you a little anxiety. So why don't you do what I do? Take one of the gummies they have at cruiseintowellness.com. And you know they also have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products. You're getting 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. Oh, yes, you are. 20% off anything they have at cruiseintowellness.com. Go. Feel better. I'm Kevin Fitzgerald, and that was 30 minutes I'll never get back. I love that guy. After catching up with Kevin I and hearing all of the stories, I've done nothing with my life. Yeah. That was, well, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I remember, yeah. I, I love the guy since I met him. I, I haven't seen him in a long time. I, I said he's going to be a great guest, and he was, but I feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> he squeezed like four different lives into one. He was, you know, security and torn with rock bands forever. Then he's a stand up comedian. Then he's, a, a, you know, a qualified vet. Then he's traveling all over the world, saving the environment and, and animals. I mean, wow, that guy's just a, unbelievably impressive. I did my laundry today. <laughs> That's good. Job. I'm washing whatever yeah. the hell I want. <laughs> I'm mixing colors and whites, asshole. You don't scare me. Goodness. But no, dude, Mark, I'm going to just echo what you said, man. God, I was so fascinated listening to that guy and everything he's done. And the only thing I took out of the end was now I have to see a hamster's balls. I never knew that. <laughs> <laughs> that a hamster had balls or what? No, I never knew that. He, like he said, they had. But where does he get this information? They have really. They want to show you their balls. I, I never <laughs> knew that. Uh, Phil, the next time you come through DC, I'm going to take you to the hamster show. It'll change your life. <laughs> I, I like to curl your toes. Apparently, yeah. Mark knows the secret knock. <laughs> I got a guy. I know a guy. I like the fact he knew that hamsters are horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they, he put the balls right in front of my face. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's why, another reason why they're horrible. Yeah. Well, he yeah. said their eyes are bigger than their balls. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he had a refrigerator magnet in his mouth. That's why he kept getting stuck to the cage. Oh, my goodness. I just pictured the poor little hamster getting away and then going, Arr! Uh-huh. Going back and getting mm-hmm. away and getting going, going back. Yeah, I, I felt bad for the yeah. hamster. I'll be honest with you, I laughed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and me, Alex, me too. <laughs> Alex, I love animals as much as you do, mm-hmm. but this hamster sounded kind of like a dick. I'll yeah. be honest with you. <laughs> um, my a friend, miserable dick. My um, good friend had a hamster, and she feels the same way. She They're does. mean. Yes, they bite you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Does the she, she, she ever look in the cage and there's the hamster showing her his balls? I need to ask her that. I'll be sure to get right on that, Adam. All right. I love the band stories. Those are my favorite. Yeah. I like how he said, we're the ones who made all the rules. We started grassroots before it went corporate. Mm -hmm. So we were, you know, uh, doing all the backroom deals and all that kind of stuff. And when he said what Mick Jagger did, I went, Wow, now I really like Mick Jagger. Yeah, I, I I love the fact that I know that about him, and that and he and he doesn't want everybody to know that about him. Yeah, that's like that phrase: "Character is what you are in the dark." Mm-hmm. Like there were no cameras, there was no press there. It wasn't like yeah. he was doing that for effect. He was doing that because he wanted to do it, and it was the right thing. And that says everything you need to know about Mick Jagger. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he told Kevin, "How come, Kevin? How come you got this big body? How come I got that? We we can never forget." And then. You know what he told me off the air? Right after that, Mick showed him his balls. Adam. <laughs> highly doubtful. <laughs> but Fact check. Okay. All right. So how about going from uh, Mick Jagger to Keith Richards writing him a recommendation letter? Yeah. Can you imagine? Well, first of all, Keith Richards going, what are you doing with your life, mate? Okay. <laughs> how bad was he that Keith Richards yeah. took notice? <laughs> What are you doing with your life, mate? 
Pass that bong over, will you? Yeah, let's go to get it together, man. Right. It was spot on. It was great advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, I mean, yes. you don't expect to get great life advice from Keith Richards. Maybe, I don't know, or maybe you do because the guy survived everything. But yeah. I just did not mm-hmm. see that source coming with great life counsel. Well, I, I liked he said, he's so cool. How could I not listen? Yeah. yeah, which well, is true. Well, listen, when you, well, everyone, we've all gotten advice from an unlikely source, but you also have to listen and not listen. I mean, you listen to Keith Richards, you know. I wish David Berkowitz didn't listen to the dog. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that. Really, Sam? Really? Is that a good idea? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I got, and Keith Richards wrote him a letter of recommendation, got him in there. Yeah. Can you imagine the person getting the letter? This isn't Keith yeah, Richards. This isn't Keith Richards. <laughs> and then if someone really believed him, going, I'm keeping this letter. I'm framing yeah. this letter. <laughs> oh, I, I pull. I, on a lesser extent, I, I pulled that card. You know, you know who wrote my letter of recommendation to buy my New York apartment? Who? Leary. <laughs> Dennis, get a pen. <laughs> oh, that's great. He did because it's yeah. a co-op, and he had a. Could right. that have gone either way? <laughs> nah, that was fine. They, they, you know. I like the fact that Willie Nelson, you can bring girls on the bus. You seem nice, Margaret. You want to see Amarillo? I know. Now, listen, I'm not saying I wouldn't want to tour with The Who or The Stones or any mm-hmm. of those great bands. But coming out of that, I have a newfound love and admiration for Willie Nelson. I think that's the yeah. tour I'd want to go on. In that bus and Willie telling that great joke about Hitler and Hitler, Tequila. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That was great. I was howling when I heard that joke. Oh, yeah. How how funny great. how funny was it when he said, "I could tell what drug they're on by the way they stand." Oh yeah. <laughs> the, the, acid, the acid freaks are in the center talking yeah. to the sun, right? And, and the speed so freaks are spinning around the outside of the stage. And I think he meant the outdoor concerts. And then um, you know, because that was the yeah. Jefferson Airplane, mm-hmm. and they, they were at Altamont. Mark, I had to bring up Altamont. Yeah, of course you did, and I was. Of course you did. Yeah, sitting at the edge of my chair, I was like, "Yes, let's talk about how, let's talk about Marty Balin getting knocked out cold on the stage." Damn. Yeah, well, because I read Insanity. the uh, I read the Joel Sylvan book uh, about Altamont because I'm a freak, so I knew there was supposed to be, and I wanted it. And I, I was going to wa- say, "What is that? What are you talking about, Altamont?" Yeah. Okay. The Stones weren't at Woodstock, and Mick, the businessman, said, we missed an opportunity. So they wanted to make another outdoor festival, a West Coast outdoor festival, because mm-hmm. they missed Woodstock. So mm-hmm. they uh, it was supposed to be uh, the Jefferson Airplane, the Grateful Dead, the Stones and the Flying Burrito Brothers in uh, Golden Gate Park. Right. Yep. Couldn't get it done in right. Golden Gate Park. So they had to scramble to find a location. So Altamont is a speedway. That was in uh, Northern California. So they found Altamont Speedway and they just threw this thing together because, like you said, they didn't know what was going to go on. You know, it was right. 250,000 people, a quarter million people, kids showed up. And they didn't really have a stage. They had a little riser. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. the the, um, the Grateful Dead used the uh, Hells Angels as security because there's a lot of dope back then. So well, And, and what they would do is <laughs> they would just trade beer to the Hells Angels. Yeah. Be like, oh, well, that's nice. you win beer. Yeah, so 50. it was like a really informal thing. And I think when, whoever when. was like putting Altamont together was like, hey, Jerry, you guys like use the Hells Angels? And they're like, yeah, kind of. All right, I'll put you in touch with them. And it was, as you said, Adam, it was thrown together very hastily. The stage that you reference, as you said, it was like basically just a small rise above yeah. the crowd. And Phil and Alex, if you ever see the video of this, the crowd is right on top of the stage. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. Uh-huh. Like, and they're all just pressing up there. And the Hell's Angels, as as he said, were beating them with pool cues. I mean, it was it was oh, crazy. Wow. Oh, the, they they were shit faced by noon. Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> So they were so how bad it was. Like the Grateful Dead was supposed to play. Yeah. They showed up and they're like, get an helicopter. We're getting yeah. out of here. We're not- oh, they didn't play. They didn't play. <laughs> Marty Ballin oh, got punched in- Marty Ballin got knocked out. And and Jerry and then Jerry looked to Bob and goes, get in the helicopter. Let's- <laughs> yeah, we'll play great. from the helicopter. <laughs> we're, we're going home. <laughs> what year was this? Sixty nine. Yeah. It, so wow. it was the bookend, like everything that was love and peace. That like the sentiment that came out of Woodstock, like Altamont yes. was like the dark side of the 60s, the violence and all of mm-hmm. that. It was like this perfect sort of like bookend of what like to encapsulate like the late 60s. So um, and it was tragic because, you know, the people die. The guy Meredith Hunter gets stabbed. And yeah, oh, wow. It was, it was awful. Yeah. How come I've no, never heard was, of this? Wow. wow. Oh, yeah. It was a crazy scene. Mm-hmm. Crazy scene. 
And, and the Stones didn't play because I think under my thumb was the song playing when Meredith Hunter was stabbed. And I don't think they played that for like a long time or is either that or like somehow uh, Sympathy for the Devil was associated that, with That it. was the rumor in the book. He said it was under my thumb, but the rumor was yeah. it was Sympathy for the Devil. And then that's when everything just started, you know, and, and yeah. Jimmy Page went, we can cash in on this, Robert. Write shit. <laughs> <laughs> Write some Hobbit lyrics. <laughs> And I love the fact that right when you brought up Altamont, Kevin immediately his voice dropping in all seriousness, like it wasn't a Stone's fault. Yeah, it wasn't a Stone's <laughs> fault. And I and I was like this. I'm going through. I, I said I have to bring it up. How do I not bring it up? <laughs> oh, because that's something <laughs> yeah, that yeah. they don't want to. Well, it's it's talk it's, about. it's not. It, it's a piece of history, but you know, it, it's 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 something they I want. Good. Yeah, it's look. I'm a freak when it comes to this stuff. I mm -hmm. mean, yeah, I know. I mean, what's an end whistle? What's an end whistle? Yeah. An end whistle. <laughs> an end whistle was a force of nature that played the bass like a train. Yeah. It was John Entwistle <laughs> was was the bass player of the Who. And he oh, was just Okay. It, yeah, it was it was incredible. He would fill the sonics with everything. He had like effect. He was playing lead bass. Everyone in the Who was playing lead except Pete Townsend. He was the guitarist. That's why he's such a good rhythm player. He's like, oh, these fucking assholes. I got to keep this thing together. <laughs> Keith is playing along with the vocal. Yeah. Roger's singing. Ed whistles all over the place. And he turns up the volume. And, 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 and Townsend is just like, first the friggin' dynamite on the Smothers Brothers show. And now this. I'm going to be <laughs> deaf by the time I'm 40. And he is. Yeah. yeah. So they didn't give each other room to kind of have a melodic... No, they did. They found, but but Pete found a way to play inside of John, and John was just a prodigious uh, musician. I, mm -hmm. I showed you that that documentary on it. Was mm -hmm. yeah, like, I fell asleep. Yeah, I, I tortured her. <laughs> There's one on Netflix with the music of 1971, and I went, "Honey," she's like, "You can do that one by yourself." Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yet, every time you and I get together, we're that. like, "What band's documentary are we watching this time?" And we watch that yeah. one on the Who, and it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah it was the amazing. Journey. I sent Phil the one on Fleetwood Mac because he, he wrote a one-man show for the guy for like the tour manager. And he's like, I need yeah. I need music shit. I go, okay, here. And I sent him a bunch of links. Yeah, he was right there. He was he he you perked up. You were so excited to send me the documentaries. But I'm like Alex. Usually you want me to watch shit on like friggin' plants. What? I'm not watching a documentary about plants. Yeah, I know. Oh, you gotta see this. Well, <laughs> it, it makes it makes sense when you said that you shifted. What do you mean? I, n I never really realized that you sh shifted like you mentally went from music to comedy. Well, here's what happened. Like I said, I found out so much about you doing this podcast, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking away the car keys after I heard about the Lexus. <laughs> well, yeah, well, here's what happens. I was playing guitar. Like I said, I had a, a Les Paul knockoff and I was doing my Pete Townsend. And I was, I was a pretty good rhythm player, but I couldn't get... Like I could play pinball wizard and stuff. It just wasn't coming together quick enough for me, but I was always funny. So when Saturday Night Live came out and we were doing the sketches in the art class, I was like, oh, I can do this. And then when the muse shifted to comedy, because Saturday Night Live was, uh, they put that on the cover of Rolling Stone and then they put uh, Eddie Murphy on and, and, and David Letterman. So uh, I felt more at home doing that. Yeah, you found your groove. Yeah, found my groove. Mm-hmm. And I, lo I loved hearing all the band stories, but mm -hmm. I have so much respect for the conservation work he does and, and, and all the work he does for the animals. Yeah. And he terrified me. He just terrified me. Why? The place is going to hell. We're running out of bees. <laughs> yeah, the bee thing scares me too. Yeah. And by the way, he, the way he described honey, I thought was so awesome. Mm -hmm. It's created by nature and harvested by insects. It's the perfect food. Yeah. That was just so perfectly yeah. put, man. I love that. And it's, it's bee vomit. Just, it's bee vomit? Yeah, that's what honey is. Do that's... you have to ruin everything? <laughs> I'm just stating yeah. a fact. Yeah, that's not good marketing. Oh, my right God. <laughs> no, I, did not need to know, I, I didn't need to know that. I didn't need to know that. <laughs> and I was fascinated about how the queen, how they picked a new queen. Mm -hmm. They got to get the smell on it. So, yeah. so Phil, you know what we're going to do? Because you're at sea. When you come back... We're going to bury you in a honeycomb. <laughs> You're going to have to eat your way out. We'll do our part, Phil. We're going to eat our way in to meet you. And then, if you smell correctly, you can be our queen. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can I say it? Can I say it? Say it, baby. Hey, queen. Hey, queen. <laughs> Love you, Phil. <laughs> I want to thank my friend Kevin Fitzgerald for being my guest. Uh, honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? <laughs> the Adam Farrar at Gmail. Uh, the show's growing, and I want to thank you guys for telling people you love about the show. Please continue to do this so we can spread a little love. If you get a chance to leave us a review, you know that helps us with our friend. Mr. Alco with him. And remember, life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. Pod is ended. Go in peace. 
But as as I came around, I, I, I it was a perfect 180. So I just hit the gas and went the other way. And in my head, I'm thinking, meant to do that. And I'm sure everybody thought the same thing. You dope. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.